bold and raw perspectives of local politics. Important information which impacts our community, nation, and world. Exposing truth, transparency, and getting to the heart of relevant issues that you just won't see in the clickbait media. And always keeping it real. It's the Michelle Tanner Podcast. But I won't back down. Welcome to the Michelle Tanner Podcast. I think it's been a whole week, so I'm excited to be with y'all. Super excited to introduce you guys here shortly to my awesome guest today, Brad Green, who is running for Congress here in Utah's 2nd District as the Libertarian candidate. So super excited to hear some of his perspectives here shortly. I did want to address really quick because my phone has been blowing up a lot the last couple of days with news articles and concerns, these discussions, these threats, the fear-mongering of COVID 2.0 and everyone needs to go get your boosters and the threat of potential mandates, some private businesses across the country already implementing masks again. I've heard buzz on certain universities potentially implementing this. So let me just get this out of the way four words. We will not comply. That's it. I can't even believe we're still having this discussion. Many of you know, I am a medical professional. I have treated personally hundreds of patients with COVID. It's absolutely outrageous that this is even a discussion. Maybe it's a political ploy that, you know, they're doing this fear mongering around election season. So, hey, I'll give them that. But let's just, again, make this crystal clear. We will not comply. Please repeat that over and over. Be prepared for how you are going to handle. And also, during these elections, think about these candidates and what were they doing during 2020? Were they cowering in silence? Because silence in the face of tyranny is dangerous. Were they virtue signaling and saying, go get your shot and wear your mask or else you're going to kill grandma. Seriously, what were they doing? Or were they a voice standing up for your God-given rights protected by this constitution and cast your votes accordingly? And ultimately, you know, if you're like me, I don't have a lot of faith in elected representatives anymore, although I am really glad that they're still good people willing to put their names out there, willing to run for these positions. It comes down to us mass non-compliance. That's how you stop this. Okay. I'm glad I got that out of the way. Another thing, you know, if people are getting sick, if there's concerns, there are treatment options available. There's actually been more studies coming out now about ivermectin and go ahead and shadow ban me for saying ivermectin, but I've been prescribing that medication for a decade, traveling the world, doing humanitarian missions. It's a medication I've given probably more than any other medication. And then now with COVID, I've been prescribing it for the last three years. In fact, I had someone send me an article the other day that said FDA now says doctors can prescribe COVID for, or prescribe ivermectin for COVID. And I'm thinking, well, good, because I have been for the last three years and it's always been okay for doctors, prescribers, practitioners to prescribe medication off label. We do it all the time. And in fact, this is one of the only scenarios 
where I've actually heard of policies. In fact, the prior hospital that I worked at had a policy that you couldn't actually prescribe ivermectin yet. We could prescribe almost any other medication for off-label use. So go figure. Um, If you need it, don't go, you know, down the street to IFA. Please call a healthcare provider because unlike their narrative that they're pushing, this is not a horse medication. Horses also get penicillin. So is penicillin a horse medication? No, it's not. There are trusted providers. I am one. I don't care if you come to me, but go to a trusted healthcare provider. Um, My personal website, and I do telemedicine visits all across this country, it's Bella2Medical, so B-E-L-L-A, tumedical.com. Phone number's on there. Happy to help you. Again, I just care that people get the appropriate treatment and that this fear-mongering, ridiculous mandates stop. Okay, that's my rant for the day. Now let's get into the really important, exciting part of this discussion, which is with Brad Green. And there's so much I want to learn about you, Brad. I've been really intrigued seeing that you're running as a libertarian. Personally, I'm a registered Republican, but I actually agree with the vast majority of the libertarian platform. And I have a lot of leanings that way. So I'm excited to learn more about you. Maybe let's just start and tell us who is Brad Green and why are you running for Congress? My goodness, that was an epic rant. So um, I hope we can. I hope I get to get into that. If you're Absolutely. saying, look at these candidates and what were they doing in 2020? Yes, and I um, want to know what were you doing in 2020? Well, so many in your audience will have watched Eric Mutzos put together the Utah Business Revival event in 2020. Yes, and he got shut down all around the state. And we got shut down in Utah County. They actually had flown the band out. And then the band was really hesitant to fly out for Tooele County, even though they had a farmer that was like, yes, you can use my field and we'll set it all up. And then the county commissioners there got the sheriff to shut down the road. People in the area found back roads in there and they sat around and had a good conversation, but they didn't have a concert. So I got together with county commissioners, the sheriff, the county health official, all the mayors in the area, and I got them all to sign a document that said, we agree with this event. Please have the event in Iron County. And we did. And it was awesome. And and that was that big concert. Between me and Paul Cousins, who's still a county commissioner, uh, we're fighting right now in a jail battle. But uh, generally, we've been friends. And on that issue, we worked together really hard. And not only that, but the mask thing it went away first in Iron County. We had people in the schools, parents in the schools, walking hand in hand with their kids to class saying, no, my kid's not wearing a mask anymore. This has got to be over. And when you're saying we will not comply, that's four words. That's simpler than what I would say. I, I would I would parrot what Captain America said at the end of Infinity Wars when they said, hey, do you want us to do you want to tell us about her? And he says, no, I don't think I will. <laughs> so like that's it. been my response. So he's like, oh, right. you need to get a mask. Oh, you need to get a vaccine. No, I don't think I will. Yeah. And that's that's what I did all throughout 2020. If I walked in somewhere, oh, you need a mask? No, thanks. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they, they didn't take it any further than that. And if they did, I stopped going to that place, and exactly. I still don't go to that place. I am um, the same it's, way. It's years later. Now, I have lots of options. I mean, I, lots of things changed in my business to accommodate those that wouldn't go along with the nonsense. My business said, okay, well, we'll take care of that niche in the market. There are people that want to still get groceries. 
the restaurants can't open because the government says so. We'll go to their suppliers who probably have way too much stuff. We'll buy that stuff and then we'll sell it to the public so they don't need a grocery store. They can come to a supply house that's used to moving other things and we'll sell them that stuff, that that food stuff that the restaurants are using. Now, we're not equipped for all of it. We had to set up clean rooms and all kinds of stuff, but we were able to, to really help like flour. We had tons of flour. Oh. We had tons of sugar, salt, peanut butter, all of those things that grocery stores were out of. We had plenty. So you're a businessman. Yep. And is your business based out of Iron County? Is that where you've resided for a lot of years or where are you originally uh, yeah, from? Yeah. So, well, I'm originally from Moab, which I think used to be CD2 when I was born there, but um, it hasn't been for a long time. I lived in Richfield, which is in the district. I lived in Monroe, which is in the district. I live in Delta, which is in the district. I lived in Spanish Fork for six months, which is not in the district. And then I moved to Cedar City for my childhood. I moved to Cedar at nine. And I was there until 2003. I moved to Utah County for some years. Uh, we have a store up there as well. And uh, I've been back in Cedar ever since. So I've lived in the district most of my life. I've lived in Utah all of my life except for two years on a mission in Brazil and nine weeks in Albuquerque for a technical training. So do you speak Portuguese? Yo hablo. Oh, that's Spanish. Sorry. I've learned that one recently, too. <laughs> so Portuguese and Spanish. Yo, yo falo Portuguese. Sing. Um, yes, I do. Uh not as well as I once did, but I, I enjoy doing it. So as far as, uh, you know, you brought up libertarian Republican. So even if I were running as a Republican, realistically, when I ran for state central committee in the Republican Party as a Republican, I was still called the libertarian in the race because I was a rhino to that extent. I was the other side of rhino that Republicans generally don't hate. I mean, right. Ronald Reagan said the heart and soul of the Republican Party is libertarianism. And I tend to agree with that. But yeah. I've been called a libertarian in the Republican Party forever because I support the platform. In fact, I was one of the founding members of the platform Republicans. Really? I was. So um, that was a good thing. That was That's still a cool organization. And I agree completely with its tenets and precepts. The, the reason why I'm a libertarian is that there has been a concerted effort in the state to eliminate the grassroots of the Republican Party. You see, the Republican Party platform, let me, let me back up. Do you know what Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution guarantees all Americans? Inform me, Congressman. A Republican Congressman. form of government. Now, it's little r Republican. You know, we, we lots of people make the differentiation little r libertarian or little l libertarian or big l libertarian, like the party versus, you know, principle. Right. Republican has the same thing. So Republican, little r Republican, meant kind of this tiered representation. And, and I like to compare it to Jefferson's ward system. Have you heard of Jefferson's ward system? Heard of it. So his, his concept was powers of 10. So you have like the head of household. He's generally representing 10 people because that was about the size of families back in the day. And um, some families still, not mine. I'm, you know, we didn't quite get there. But um, the head of household would go to meet with his neighbors. And, and they would elect a representative among 10 families. And then those representatives would go to the next level, and they would elect a representative for every 10. And it was powers of 10. And what, the power that came from that Jefferson's ward system was that you had somebody at the very lowliest person in, in the community. You had somebody with a small voice could have it projected, mm, magnified yeah. each layer of that tiered representation. And it was wonderful because everybody had a say and everybody had somebody they could talk to that had a little bit more influence than them. And so Republican form of government was patterned kind of in that same way so that we would elect delegates and they would elect representatives and they would elect representatives and those people would vote to make sure that we were all protected in our rights. And rights came first and, and then majority came second. So as long as we weren't, we weren't uh, violating somebody's right, 
right. then the majority vote or the majority of representatives could vote to do something or to, to specify something. And generally, laws were meant to rein in the government, to pro- prohibit it from violating the rights of the little guys. And so that's what Republican means in Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution. And that's kind of been lost to a poor education system and other things. But the Republican Party in the state of Utah, and I don't know about a lot of the other states, but they have caucuses. Right. And similar to how Congress has caucuses, which is different groups. In Utah, we have this gathering where the grassroots of the Republican Party can go and they can elect delegates. They can elect representation. And they know their neighbors. They know who they trust. They know people's character. They know their personality. They know their politics much better than anybody could from any other angle because they're their neighbors. Right. And then they would select the ones that they trusted. Those guys would then go do their due diligence. They would get to specialize in the political process. And so they would get better results of representing those people that are their neighbors. And so in the end, what you would end up with is more trusted people at the grassroots level. People at the grassroots level liked it better because people they trusted. Yeah. And the idea is they're more educated. Those delegates go out and spend more time vetting, right? Versus that is the idea. That's the idea behind it. So the reason why I left that was, that was a long explanation to explain what happened. What I discovered, um, I was in the state central committee from 2017 to 2021, and I was the audit committee chairman from 2019 to 2021. And what I discovered in the meantime, or during that time was that the Republican party's nomination system, its ability to have people specialize in the process and the and the candidates has been intentionally weakened by legislative fiat. They and maybe it's out of ignorance; they don't understand the benefit of having this tiered representation. But what they've done is they've made it so that the convention isn't its own. It doesn't allow the Republican Party to pick how they're getting their candidates, and the convention system is how they do that. Right. And the legislature, uh, they, many of them say, in response to a petition that was going to kill it completely. They've instead created kind of a slow demise or a slow death of the convention system. Are we talking and SB fifty four? So that was that was maybe the most that was maybe the most significant uh, pebble thrown into that pond. But there was already other there were already other things that had kind of slowed it down. But since SB fifty four, it seems everything that's been voted on by the legislature regarding elections has been to weaken the convention system. I mean, they moved up the deadline, so the delegates don't have as much time to do their due diligence. They've allowed people that can just get signatures to get on the ballot so that you now have name recognition or money that makes a bigger influence. Um, really, this, this uh, presidential primary thing that they're pushing, that eliminates the, the vetting time that the delegates would have, which is why the Republican Party is saying, we're not going to do that. Like, you've just taken away completely our ability to safeguard our brand. Yeah. Well, and we saw how detrimental that was with this last special election for Congress that we just held. Less than two weeks to vet candidates, stacking of the delegates, a lot of last minute fill in delegates that were absolutely placed there for an agenda or B, had no idea anything about the candidates until walking through the doors of that convention. That convention was a facade and it couldn't have been anything else. Yeah. You didn't have, you didn't have delegates that that could be responsible to their neighbors. You didn't have timeline for them to vet candidates. Right. You didn't have, so one of the things the convention system has done that's been awesome is if the delegates don't have clear consensus, like if they don't agree to a large majority, then they would just forward to and let the grassroots have more time. Well, they didn't get to do that. They said, okay, whichever one is the majority. So you have a, you have a, a plurality. Whoever gets more than, than anybody else, basically, at that point in the last round where there's only two people, they go on. But then they still have to fight people that had no vetting 
from any kind of specialization. In fact, all they had to get was a bunch of their friends to sign on a piece of paper, and then they get on the primary ballot, which is okay, kind of, in in, in the grand view on things, whatever they're on the ballot, the, the regular Joe gets to still vet them. The grassroots gets to still vet them. However, given the nature of that primary system, money and name recognition are more influential. Mm-hmm. And so... It, it 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 wasn't really a convention. It had the trimmings of a convention, and they get to claim it's a convention, and the Republican Party gets to check the box that says, hey, we had a convention like our Constitution requires, but it didn't have the core underlying principles that make it effective. And as a result, many would argue it wasn't effective, and they don't have their strongest candidates, and the grassroots of the party, the membership of the party largely um, are not coalescing around a candidate because... They don't feel like they represent them very well. Now, I, I've met two of the three, and they seem to be good people. Um, and I think they might be all right congressmen, congress people. I don't think they'll be as good as me, but I'm biased. You know what I mean? And so the reason why I left the Republican Party was I saw, after the dysfunction that I witnessed in the leadership of the Republican Party, I saw that it was no longer able to protect its brand. It was being used and abused by candidates who wanted— the elephant stamp by their name, right? But they didn't want to actually have to be bound by the principles of the party. Yeah. So I want to delve into that a little bit because I can actually sympathize a lot with. I've actually had people, as an intended insult in the Republican Party, say, "Oh, you're just a libertarian," you know. Which, hey, I do agree with a lot of the libertarian platform. Now, what I want to clarify with you, because if I'm a disgruntled Republican right now thinking, you know, I'm not super happy about whichever candidate we'll see makes it through the primary. Right. And so then I'm looking, okay, who are my other options when it comes to the or the libertarian platform? One of my reasons why I haven't said, you know, screw the Republican party, I'm switching full on libertarian is I do feel like there's this lack of a moral underpinning, which is so vital to the whole fabric of this nation. So things like legalized drugs, legalized prostitution. Um, And then my other concern is when it comes to national security, as far as our borders, immigration, I don't believe we need to be the, the world's policemen by any means, but I do believe we need strong borders. So maybe elaborate on that, because that's one area where I think as Republicans, we get a little concerned when it comes to the libertarian platform. What are your stances on those? Thank you. So my stances and libertarian party stances are a little bit different, mostly because the libertarian party, especially at the national level, um, thinks that um, the federal government shouldn't be involved in virtually anything. Um, But even at the local level, libertarians say you don't hurt people and you don't take their stuff. And so as long as you if if there is a harm, because morality matters, right, if there is a harm, you need to be able to show that harm. So, for example, when it comes to um, this this recent trend in in the media in, in what's happening, especially in St. George, you have this group of people that not only wants to do what many of our society would call lascivious things, uh, they demand an audience of children. Right. And I don't care personally if you're gay or straight or I, I don't care. Like none of my business. When you involve children in sexual things, you're an evil person. And, and like I said, morality does matter. And it doesn't necessarily – the effect government has on it is difficult because government has to treat everyone equally. But my argument is, okay, well, if a straight person 
is doing a strip show in front of kids, or if a gay person is doing a strip show in front of kids, or if a trans person is, if there is such a thing, is doing a strip show in front of kids, all three of them should be persecuted Treat equally. Them all equally. They should all go to jail for exposing kids to lascivious Thank things. Thank you. And and so for me, the, the the problem with having government do those things is the government has to treat everyone equally. And so somebody can say, okay, well, I, in fact, there's a guy that comes. I have a citizens group that I've organized that meets every week in Cedar City, and there's a guy that comes to the group and he says. I shouldn't have to, uh, it's against my religious rights to have to see a trans person in public. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. I don't but... agree with that either. Because, and I said, look, you can, you absolutely have every right to leave. Yeah. And if you're in a public place like a grocery store, you have every right to demand of the grocery store owner that they should do something about that or that you will not shop there anymore. Right. Like that's private market. I mean, that's, that's a really private place. That's not a public place. But if somebody is in a public park and they're not doing anything that is specifically harmful or lascivious, that is actually causing harm. And, and, and let me be clear. I personally believe that when you're doing sexual things in front of children, there is long-term harm. Yes. And so that is harm. Don't hurt people. Don't steal their stuff. Right. That's the libertarian parties, like simple, basic things. I think that if if somebody is walking around the park and they're dressed funny, who cares? Yeah, we should if never they're be dressed, dictating if they're dressed nudely right. uh, and, and it's a public place where there are kids there, there are already laws for that. And there have been for decades. Right. And they should be enforced. Um, so the libertarian perspective is that the the smallest government that is possible that's that's capable of getting justice when somebody hurts someone or takes their stuff is the best government. Now at the federal level, it gets even easier because the federal government has 16 enumerated powers given it by the constitution. And that's all that they can do. And everything else is literally unconstitutional. The states, the word state specifically means nation. It's it's it is a sovereign governmental organization, right? So the states should have to do all of that. Now, in the contract that the states have with the federal government on the borders, the federal government has certain things they're supposed to do. The states can do anything that they can vote to do, right? Because they have the 10th Amendment to back them up. In my opinion, Texas should be able to build a border wall if it wants to. Now, it should also be able to sue the federal government and get payment for things the federal government is supposed to be doing that, they're, that they aren't. And then Texas can take it in its own hands. And a lot of it becomes about money. Right. My opinion is the reason it's about money is because the 16th Amendment allows the federal government to go into the states to breach that veil and goes directly to the citizens and steal their money. And because of the income tax, yep. the federal government now, now has all the tax money and the states go begging the feds for the money. If you repeal, which is my number one platform in Thank my campaign, you, by the way. if you repeal the income tax, yes. the federal government has to come to the states begging for money the way that it was pre-1913 yes. because Congress would pass a budget. When was the last time that happened? Congress would be required to pass a budget because states would not give them any money if they didn't pass a budget. They literally have one job to do. Right. Right. And they have a whole bunch of other things that wrap into that one thing. But passing a budget is Congress's prime directive. And they haven't done it forever. They should all lose their jobs. My opinion, if you fail to pass a budget and you're three months late, you are kicked out of office and they have special elections nationwide. That's radical. I get it. I'm a radical dude. It's okay. Mm -hmm. So if you were to get that, and and there's efforts right now. Ted Cruz is talking about repealing the income tax right now in the Senate. And so if you were to do that, the federal government would come to the states and they would say, okay, Utah, you have 1% of the national uh, population. And our budget this year is $9 trillion. You get 1% of that bill. You get to come up with it however you want. And the states would say, well, you claim 67% of our land, 
if the federal government came to the state and said, "Hey, you owe us nine hundred, or I'm sorry, $90 billion, dollars," um, they would say, "Look, you don't get to claim our land anymore." Yeah, give because us that's back. unconstitutional. Right. You read about equal footing doctrine. You read about you read about the Maryland Compromise. The federal government is not allowed by the Constitution to own land in incorporated or in um, organized states, states that have statehood, and. Um, the state would have the power to then kick the federal government out, and then we could use the land. Sure, maybe some of it would become private land. Maybe some, maybe the leases, that's what federal government's doing. They're locking it up, like this latest land grab by the Biden administration locked up a bunch of uranium area. You don't think they're just going to sit on that. That's going out to China, Russia, whoever their favorites are. Right. Utah could decide that. We could decide it better because we're closer to it. We could enforce it better, and then we could actually use the land that's supposed to be public land for our own uses. Yeah. We could ride our four-wheelers, our horses on it. We could we could let, lease it out to cattlemen that would go out there and improve the fields and run their cows on it and help feed us. All of those things, and that's my number two platform plank, by the way, the land, all of those things come back to the fact that the federal government right now is controlling all of the money right. as a result of a horrible tax plan that's probably the most immoral tax ever devised by man. Yeah. And then when states go begging for some of that money back, it comes with strings attached. And I mean, down to the education system, the garbage that's being funneled in through private businesses, through education. And again, it sounds like we could solve a lot of that by repealing the income tax. Right. So. So I went down a long road there. I mean, really, the libertarian approach of the federal government shouldn't do any of that. The state should be empowered yeah. by it and the state should decide where the money comes for it. And then and then as long as you're not hurting people or taking their stuff, government should stay out of your life. Yes. And I think that's the reason why. And this is your defense when somebody calls you libertarian. That's the reason why Ronald Reagan said that libertarianism is the heart and soul of the Republican Party. It really is. Yeah. And I agree with that. So how would that work realistically you being a libertarian, if you get elected in this two-party system, because to my understanding, there's not a current libertarian congressman in the United States. Is that correct? How, uh, how would that work with the balance of, of the parties? And People ask me, really, the question there is, who would you caucus with? Um, ten out of ten people would say, clearly, I would caucus with the Republicans. Right. Um, I've been a Republican. That's the feeling I get. I have my Republican training. Really, I have a Republican reputation. Right. Just have a libertarian nomination. Like right now, because of the way the legislature has broken the Republican Party's ability to police its brand, it's probably easier and more appropriate for libertarian Republicans or limited government Republicans to run independent or third party. And so how would it work? My opinion, what would happen is this. If the Republicans in, in Utah, because it would take Republicans, this is a Republican district. If the Republicans in this district elect me, and the Dem- some there probably are some Democrats that are okay with the government being more hands-off, and third party absolutely would be all over it. And I have tons of endorsements from the Republican Party and the independents right now. Um, if they elect me to Congress, some really cool things happen. Number one, Utah becomes the most influential swing state in the nation. Wow. Because it's a, new, a it's a new swing that had never happened before. And it's fairly easy because it's a special election, because we have candidates that don't have the big following, uh, like um, regular Republicans that come out of a regular successful system would have. It allows something new to happen. And if there's one thing that the media loves, it's something new. Mm-hmm. And so Utah all of a sudden gets all this cool influence leading into a presidential election year. Like, that's that's the reason why they're trying to do their whole March Madness um, presidential election. The Republican Party said, now nah, we'll do a straw poll. They're trying to get that influence for Utah. 
This gives Utah influence that it's never had before. Now, second, it gives the Libertarian Party influence across the nation because 38 states are what we call single-party states, similar to Utah. Virtually all of the elections go to one party or the other. And there are dissenters in that party, but they believe if they leave the party, they can't get elected. Sound familiar? Absolutely. All of a sudden, if somebody from a more reasonable party... And in those states, whatever the out party is, is considered unreasonable. If somebody from a reasonable party is now electable, you have two strong parties again. And when you have competition, it makes everything stronger. And the, uh, Rob Axon, the chairman of the Utah Republican Party, is famous for saying steel sharpens steel. I agree. Yeah. Competition is necessary to produce a better product. Right. This creates competition in Utah, and it would create competition in 37 other states. As a result, what we would get is more reasonable policies coming out of every state and out of Washington, D.C. And the third thing, which is maybe speculation, maybe bias, maybe just fantasy, the new libertarian, the first ever elected to Congress, would have a bigger bully pulpit, would have more media attention. And that attention could be given to push for these more reasonable policies. It could be used to tackle the status quo and maybe get some of these huge policy changes back. Like, think about I mean, my top two issues are yeah. radical, even though there are efforts out there. I mean, that's not right. something people haven't talked about. But getting rid of the income tax and allowing the states to handle that again, that's huge. And, and would have widespread, eternally reaching effect. Number two, getting all of these Western lands, their land back. That's huge. That would have a major swing in, in influence nationally and maybe even power and money, which is maybe the reason why nobody dares tackle it is because they're all worried about, worried about how the political impact would be. Right. I get it. It's a big thing. It still needs to happen. Yeah. Well, and I love that it could also help the issue we have here in Utah. One of the issues with the Republican Party is the Democrats know that they don't have any power here. So what do they do? They register as Republicans. And that's why you hear the term rhino thrown around so much here, because truly our party, our Republican Party is infiltrated. It's both parties with fighting Democrats. over the brand. Exactly. Yep. And, they, and many of them would jump into the Libertarian Party. And then they would have that infighting as well. But they, that exists already. Generally, the Libertarian Party nationwide has been more of a leftist idea, mostly because of the abortion issue, which we which where do we, you stand on abortion? Got because this is a make or break that's issue. So that's for me. easy. So up until uh, 21, 2021, I was able to get elected as a national delegate alternate to the Libertarian Party national election in 21. And. When I left the Republican Party, my first order of business was to figure out a way to make abortion not a, like, make it illegal, make it um, not a platform plank. It was plank number 5.3 or something on the Libertarian Party platform. It was actually pro-abortion. My perspective, my opinion is that life is created at conception. That's when life begins. Now, you can measure it. Like, that's my opinion. But I can prove it at about five weeks when you have both heartbeat and brainwave. Yeah. And as our, as our scientific instrumentation gets better, we'll be able to actually measure what people consider life signs much earlier than that. So in my opinion, anything past when you have clear scientific measurement capability, anything past that, you're clearly destroying life. Like there's no defense for that. No question. But, and even from conception, but a conception separate it, DNA, their DNA is separate. Agreed. Agreed. So I believe life begins at conception. But then, okay, how does the federal government deal with it? For years, we've had Roe versus Wade, and it has been this political volleyball that everybody loves to toss back and forth to get reelected, even though they don't want to do anything about it. The federal government does not have the authority. And here's why. If abortion is wrong, which we've agreed is, 
if abortion is wrong, it's wrong because it's violence against a person. Murder. It's murder, right? All violent crimes are adjudicated in the state where they happened. The state has jurisdiction over violent crimes, and abortion is a violent crime, which means a state gets to decide what constitutes that violence and how is it dealt with. It has been a state's issue from the beginning, and it remains a state's issue, and Dobbs got it right in the most accurate way possible. It's not a federal government issue. It's a state issue. Now, I think that the states are morally obligated to enforce it harshly. Some states are going to choose not to, and we should stun, shun and mock those states mercilessly. Right. Because you think about the very fundamental God-given right to life that every human being has. Yep. And you are literally stripping away a human life. That is murder. That's right. So let me, let me put my record out there. You and I have had the conversation. We agree ideologically. I'm a fighter. Yes. I don't just talk. I do a lot of talking. But I fight to back it up. So I got elected as a national delegate with one purpose in mind, and that was to eventually be able to take down the pro-abortion plank of the Libertarian Party. And I was shocked because I went as an alternate. I was brand new in the party, right? I was shocked that all I had to do was hang around when everybody else had to catch flights and get back. All I had to do was be flexible with my schedule, and my alternate status washed away, and I was a full-fledged delegate on the National Libertarian floor, and somebody, had the Mises Caucus, of which I'm a member, had already proposed a platform change to change that, to remove that platform plank from the National Party platform, and I got to vote on it. Not only that, I got to advocate for it, and I got I to get other alternates on board because they didn't know what was going on, and the people that were pro getting rid of the amendment or getting rid of the platform plank... I convinced them to stay long enough that we actually could vote on it. And there was people trying to slow down the whole convention so that we didn't actually get a vote on it to the point where the hotel was literally taking the sound system down around us as the, because our time had expired as the vote happened. And we were able to eliminate it from the Libertarian Party platform. And so the Libertarian Party of the United States of America is now clearly not taking a side on it which it's a federal, it's a national platform. The state of Utah platform now needs to be fixed so that we declare that a baby in the womb is life yes, and it cannot absolutely. be extinguished. And I think we could get that done in Utah. I don't know about other states, but with yeah. the Libertarian in Congress with a big bully pulpit, all of the Libertarian parties across the entire nation are going to be watching that Libertarian to figure out how they too can make a difference. And I'll be able to have this discussion with them. And I think it can have widespread consequence in a positive way. Yeah, I love that. I love that you are a fighter. What are some other things that you see getting into Congress that you can really go to bat for with us? I appreciate that you recognize your limitations of what the Constitution actually allows you to do at that level. I learned that from Ron Paul. Yes. It's a and, awkward and sometimes. And Ron Paul, you know, when people ask who is your political idol, it's Ron Paul. So I'm a big Ron Paul fan, so I appreciate We're on the same that page about there. you as well. But what are some other things that you think you could help implement? Because I agree, going in as a libertarian, I feel like maybe you would have that unique opportunity to help bridge some of these gaps right now between the two-party system. Well, there's going to be some bridging of gaps, since, and Republicans may not like some things. I think the federal government should get out of drugs altogether. I think the states absolutely have every right to pursue it. So you would um, advocate no federal 
um, involvement at all when it comes to illegal drugs or legal drugs. To the I states. would end the FDA. The federal government shouldn't be able to tell you that you can't prescribe ivermectin. Yes. Hydroxychloroquine is handed out like candy in every other country I've been in. I don't advocate for handing it out like candy, but it should be over the counter. Yeah. So you know no I mean? like, FDA, no DEA? No DEA. Interesting. I okay. think states could do that. I mean, realistically, you show harm. You can show harm and you can show how people are hurting people. States, again, states are nation states. They have that authority and they have that responsibility. And we've abdicated that to the federal government. And that's foolish. The right. federal government screws up everything they touch. Milton Friedman used to say, if you put the federal government in charge of the Sahara Desert, in a decade, there'd be a shortage of sand. And he's not wrong. The federal government literally sucks at everything they do, except killing people. They're good at killing people. The military is the best in the world. Yeah. Other than that, they suck at everything. Right. Make it do only the things that it's supposed to do and make the states do everything else that they're supposed to do. All of these battles that we're having nationally shouldn't be had nationally. It's foolish. You have such diverse sets of people throughout this country. Those issues should be had at the state level at the very largest. Yeah, with cannabis, it's been interesting because, of course, a lot of states are now legalizing it. But then still at the federal level... It's not legal. So it's been this really interesting. It's really messy. I mean, yeah. you think about gun policy. I mean, Iron County is, is a proud sanctuary county for gun uh, gun rights. Right. And, um, you know, they, they even turn their nose up at some state issues, some state gun regulations. I think that that's the, the county level. The Utah state constitution doesn't really give that right. But at the state level, certainly they do. I mean, that, that law nullification, unless it's in the constitution, it doesn't really bind the states. Anything else is a usurpation of power of co by Congress or the executive, and there's millions of those. Yeah. So back to what originated this episode, talking about mandates, and you mentioned some of your involvement in 2020 and helping with small businesses, and obviously I don't think you advocate for shutdowns. What can you do I as a congressman? I advocate for government shutdowns. <laughs> if that's what it takes to get the right? budget to balance, hey, I, w I would join the Freedom Caucus day one. Yeah, that's if great. If they'd have me. Yeah. Sorry. Shutdowns and, is a trigger word for me. Yeah. No, that's on I'm one end, I completely am against it, like yeah. violently against it. And the other end, I'm completely for it. Right. Yep. Let the let the free market do what it wants to do. But when it comes to, say, you know, masks on airplanes that they're threatening could come back or really any of this government overreach that we saw, what can you do in your position to help protect the people's rights? So as a halfway freshman in Congress, which is what I would be, right? There's even the newly incoming freshmen have been there a year more than me. Um, it puts me in a unique weakness. However, having the bully pulpit puts me at some strength. All I can do is advocate. For example, on airplanes, you know the reason why the airplanes all bought into that hook, line, and sinker? They're completely subsidized. They're on corporate welfare from the federal the, government. Yeah, FAA. Because of post-9-11, you have the TSA at the airports. The TSA is the guards at the airport. The airlines aren't accountable to that. They get to point at government and say it's their fault. And the government gets to say it's the airplane's fault. They have people sitting packed in there like sardines. And, and so you can't actually make some success. I would absolutely get rid of federal controls of airlines. Thank you. And it's the same thing with the and medical an air, system. An airline doesn't want to crash. They don't want to have big, because they're liable. I mean, each one of those airplanes is half a billion dollars. Like, they want to treat that thing nice. And they do. And it's not because the federal government tells them to. They do that because they're self-interested to. And so I, I would be advocating on the COVID policy. I would be advocating for having public carriers, airlines, cruise ships, they're responsible for themselves. The government doesn't subsidize them. The government doesn't tell them what to do. There's no strings attached anywhere. Uh, you want to talk about vaccines? Big Pharma doesn't have 
a monopoly anymore. And whether there's different companies or not, they still have to lobby the FDA for approval to do anything, even even to renew insulin vaccines or insulin insulin shots, mm-hmm. right? Like they have to renew that, which means the old ones that are cheap now, nobody renews those. Right. The market would govern those things. And people like me and you that are going to say, no, I don't think I will wear that mask. No, I don't think I will take that shot. The market would cater to us because there's a lot of us. Yeah. Well, and hospitals, for instance, have mandated the vaccines on their employees because of Medicaid and Medicare. They are primarily funded by CMS, by those government funds. And that's what it always comes back to. There's a shortage of sand everywhere you look. Right. Well, I love what you're advocating for. I love your limited government. You seem to have a really deep understanding of the Constitution, which I think is sadly rare these days. So where can people learn more about you and support you? It's so rare. It seems deep. It's not. BradGreenForUtah.com or you go to Linktree slash BradGreenUtah. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. This was too short. We'll do it again. I warned you. Let's do it again. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for being a part of the Michelle Tanner podcast. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share. And always remember to keep exposing truth. But I won't back down. No, I won't back down. This has been a production from a podcast studio.